Hey everyone, welcome to the official sixth episode of the Floor Spacers podcast. Uh, I, you already know who I am. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I am Christy Bobby, as per usual, and I am joined once again by the two goats. Uh, Mr. Aaron Joseph is back this week. I mean, I don't know why I said it's Italian, but Aaron Joseph, please say hello to the people. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, everyone say, Buongiorno to Stephen Aboyle, Mr. Stephen Aboyle. Hello. What's good? Aaron, you got to pick up some slack this week. Yeah, Aaron. Uh, you know, it's, you not gotta... like you, it's not like you didn't miss the first episode of this whole, whole entire podcast. All right, but you held the podcast back two weeks, so. <laughs> Uh-oh, dude. Okay. Shut up, Rickle Adam. But, um... Yeah, guys, uh, today we want to briefly go over uh, some, uh, you know, recent uh, breaking developments uh, in the NBA Twitter sphere. I mean, in the news world, uh, as well as uh, just quickly, uh, we wanted to do something different. <clears throat> uh, we wanted to talk about some like wacky trades and conspiracy theories that have transpired over the course of NBA history. Uh, we got some like, you know, like some curious and funny and just overall, just weird stuff to talk about today. We just want to do something different. You know, it's not like the news has been a little bit dry recently. So, you know, we're just trying to like come out with new stuff to like talk about and do. There's some you've probably heard of, some you probably haven't. So, yes. It'll be fun. Exactly. Um, but yeah, without further ado, I guess I'll get the boring stuff out of the way. Um, so, I guess let's, the first thing to talk about uh, is John Wall and Houston have mutually agreed to like work towards a, a trade. Um, or, a, I mean, I think it's going to be a buyout, but, you know, f- f- the plan is he's going to, I think, report to training camp, but he's not going to play any games. Um, and they're going to, you know, look for some potential partners. And I think the Clippers and the Pistons and someone else have been linked. I saw, the, I saw the two likely ones were, like, Orlando and OKC. There's no way. I just can't yeah. see any team being willing. To trade for that contract, he's got no. Like, I mean, like if it's getting bought out or something like that. Wait, Orlando or okay. no, Actually, no. I don't. Yeah, that's what I not, saw. So neither of those teams, neither of those teams make any sense. They're both rebuilding, and Orlando has like four point guards in the roster. Yeah, right. That's supposed to that too. Like, yeah, that'd be pretty, pretty weird. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to end up being a buyout. I don't. That's ninety million guaranteed. Is a lot to that's, that's a lot even if you're going to even if you're going to stretch that, it's a lot to stretch. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think Wall is going to want to lose out on that ninety million either. So I can't really see either team being willing to do that. They're probably going to more likely work toward a trade. But the problem with that is that nobody wants to trade for that contract, whether they're a contending team or a rebuilding team. So I don't know. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I feel like he might just end up staying there. Yeah, when it's all said and done, he probably will just be a rocket until. I mean, probably sold the contract is done for probably like a year left or something. But, um, I mean, unless, you know, of course, it's going to be a three-team trade. We send Kevin Love in a pick to uh, to Houston, and then you guys get John Wall, and then we get Ben Simmons. Uh, whatever. Um, so, so <laughs> <not>. <laughs> um, that just suck. Like, imagine recovering from an ACL injury and then tearing your Achilles at your house. Yeah. That's just really no, wasn't Achilles first? I think it was the Achilles uh, first, and then yeah, he Achilles tore the Achilles. Yeah, that's got to be. Didn't, so didn't he like? Didn't he like fall down the stairs or something? Something like that. Yeah. Dude, I mean, like slipped or something like that. I don't know. Something crazy like that. Yeah, that sucks because of how cra- how good of a player he was before, averaging like twenty and ten two years in a row or something like that. They, yeah. uh, I remember that one year they almost upset the Celtics in the playoffs to move on. Yeah, so I wish it was also been... the Wizards. That would have been fun. Or actually, us and the Bulls. With the Dwayne Wade Bulls, but you know whatever. Um, so next up, uh, real quick, uh, Aaron Gordon and Denver have agreed to a four-year, ninety-two million dollar extension. Uh, I we didn't have this podcast when the initial trade went down. I don't think, but uh, I think all three of us really liked the acquisition of Aaron Gordon. And um, I mean, again, this is a kind of a no-brainer move. You know, I think Aaron Gordon just fits so seamlessly with Denver. Uh, you know, it's it would be dumb of them not to extend him. Um, nothing really much to say here. I think it's just you know, I mean, this is a good move. Bit I mean. of an overpay, 
It's a lot for Aaron. Yeah, Gordon, I was gonna say. But, I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was an overpay too. But it's, it's, it's no. It's an overpay you have to make. You made the trade for him. You got to extend him and keep him because he he fits pretty well. Even though he may not be worth that much, but yeah, you, you did give up assets for him, so you got to keep him. Maybe trade him down the line if it if it doesn't work out. Yeah, that is that's true. just how the NBA works now. Like all these players, like for example, uh, Duncan Robinson, Tim Hardaway, uh, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, all these guys getting uh, long term extensions, even though which which seems like a lot of money for guys of their caliber, but that's what you got to pay them nowadays if they're a quality starter. Yeah, no, don't forget the uh, the new TV deal set to kick in soon. So this is all about to the scale is about to be uh, moved again, but um. Oh, so another very interesting development that has came out recently is that apparently league officials have been uh, talking about implementing a midseason tournament. Uh, I forgot what the council or the committee was called. I think it was something about like the competition committee or something, but they've been appointed with uh, getting this done. Um, obviously, we've been hearing rumblings of a midseason tournament uh, happening, I think, as far back as like 2017, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, I'm. I mean, I guess this is like, I guess it just reopened the discussions again. Um, and when I, when I initially saw this report, uh, I was like, okay, that's cool and all. Uh, but I was telling Steve and Aaron, and I was like, the, the one thing about the NBA that always confused me is the fact that we have divisions. And like, it's just like, it just hasn't really been as utilized. And like, you want to see like something more to be done with it. And like, I remember me and Steve were talking about it in like a, part, a PlayStation party before that, like we wanted to see some sort of like division tournament or like some sort of like all division teams, like an all division, like like an all-star team type thing. But hopefully this can incorporate something with the division. That was just one of my ideas, but I mean, just see how they go about it. It would be very interesting and in how they implement it. Um, obviously we don't really know if the players would like it or not. I think some players wouldn't really like it, especially considering that like load management and all of that is thing, but I mean, if the NBA is trying to get some bread, you know what I mean? I feel like for the league, I could see why they would want to implement one because it's something that would be new and it would generate revenue, kind of like how they did with the uh, the playing tournament. But that ended up being pretty cool of an idea. And a lot of the uh, younger teams, players are in favor of that since it gives them an opportunity to uh, fight their way to the playoffs. So that was a good idea. But with the midseason tournament, from the, what the report said, I think they said that the only incentive that uh, the winning team would get is like a million dollars per player. Yeah. But to, to the average NBA player, at least a million dollars is nothing. So I don't really see how players are going to feel that that's like, a f- that's going to fairly incentivize them to want to participate in like a midseason tournament like that. Because especially the last couple of years with all the, uh, the COVID, uh, like, shortening all the off seasons. I can't see how they're going to want to take even less time, probably out of their all-star break to do something like a mid-season tournament and risk their health and their uh, ability to play in the playoffs or something like that, especially if it's not going to like get them much in return other than just a million dollars. Yeah. It's just like, I don't understand. Like, yeah, like the one, the money thing. I guess like some some players would want it, some players wouldn't. But like, like looking at it, it's just like an unnecessary like injury risk, and uh, like they already play like enough games during the season, and then if they make it to the playoffs, there's that. Like, there's no reason to like add a risk to injury or just like continue to fatigue the players. Like, I just don't see why it's necessary. Like. Maybe if there was, like, playoff implications from, like, tournament, but, like, just a money standpoint, I feel like like they, it's cool that they're giving them an incentive, a million dollars for the winner, but, like, I feel like it's just, like, a money move, and it's kind of greedy because they're just they're just making money off it. They're not really, like, too, really looking into the player's health, and just I feel like it's just unnecessary. I didn't really like the idea. Yeah, I agree. Like, I could see why they, the league would at least consider it on a on a revenues perspective, but they, I feel like they got to think about the players, and I don't think the majority of players would be uh, for this move. And I saw some people saying that maybe, like, younger players would, would try to ball out in this, just kind of like – or maybe uh, people who are fighting for, like, uh, in contract seasons. Yeah. But 
uh, when I was listening to JJ Reddick's podcast, he had a uh, Tyrese Halliburton on and he, they were both giving their perspectives and JJ as like a 35, 36 year old veteran, of course was against it. And uh, he asked Tyrese what his thoughts were. And he, even uh, Halliburton was saying like, I, I wouldn't really be for it because like I'm trying, we're at the Kings. They're trying to like make a playoff slash play in push. So they're not going to want to risk like any of their players getting hurt or fatigued in like a tournament like that. That doesn't, it's pretty meaningless to hinder their chance to make the playoffs. And people would say that like the incentive for younger players would be better, but like even nowadays, like first round picks, they're rookie co- scale contracts coming into the league. They're making like five, anywhere between five and 10 million already. So it's still not even much for them. So I don't really see how that benefits the players at all. Yeah, right. No, it's, it's funny you brought that up because I was going to say like maybe they could just – it's going to be like a midseason, preseason type thing where they bring in like like G League guys or like two-way contract guys to like show them what they can do or something. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, I feel like if they do do this though, I like I, I just, I just kind of wonder how they're going to like kind of squeeze it into the season because, I mean, obviously the All-Star break is a thing. And like it's just I don't really know where they would – it's mid-season, so what? Like, so it starts in October. It starts in October. They would probably do this what, like around January, February, I guess. It would have to be like either before, right before, or after the All Star break, I would assume. Right. Yeah. So unless it's like, oh, like you know how like there's like days off between the All Star break and like when the season picks up again, mm-hmm. you can do it between then or something to kind of keep people. That's like, what I was saying though, because it like it takes away their their break that they have yeah. that one little time that they have to be with their families and get some rest. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's weird. But, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully if they're, you know, they're sitting down and talking about it, like, and before they do, like, like approve of it, hopefully they have everything, like, planned out and they talk to the NBA PA. I don't want any sort of, like, disagreement or beef, like, lockout happening and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, Aaron, if the Lakers won the, uh, that midseason tournament, is that, a, is that a Mickey Mouse championship or how are we going about this? That uh, maybe it's a Mickey Mouse. I feel dude, if, like thinking about it, like if we like took part in it and like say like because our our roster is like older and you know, obviously trying to make like playoff push championship run. If like someone like got especially like not even just us, like any team that's really just competing for a championship at that stage, and if you get hurt, like just imagine the backlash the league would get. Yeah, right. Like, it's yeah. just so unnecessary. Mm. Yeah, that is true. Uh, yeah, I think everyone would get mad at, like, Silver being, like, tax the rich, blah, 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 you know, like Nate Custer and type. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, moving on to the final headline uh, is uh, apparently league officials uh, will vote on whether or not they want to review, like, out-of-bounds calls unless it's being challenged. Um and honestly, I am not really sure how I feel about this um, because I think the rule was, what, if it was the last two minutes of a quarter or something? Or no? If it was the last two minutes of the game, I think. Last two minutes of the game, right. Last two minutes of the game, they'd, uh, you know, they obviously, like, automatically review it if they can't, you know, agree on uh, who touched it last. Um, I think that that should still be the case. I mean, I understand why. I mean, there's obviously a lot of complaints recently saying that the game has slowed down a lot, especially considering that, you know, they're calling Secaucus on, like, most of the plays now, and the, the coach's challenge is a, another addition. But um, I feel like the last two minutes of the game rule was fine because, you know, it is crunch time, and you want to make sure, like, you're giving a fair opportunity. Um, I, I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I, I, I just think, like, you could just keep the rule as it is. I I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I agree, um, yeah. I agree. Ter- I, I, I mean – in terms of decreasing the amount of – I think that the objective in voting on this is to decrease the amount of stoppages and how, how long the last two minutes of the games usually take. Especially, I think what triggered it was the uh, the game in the playoffs between – what was it, Clippers and Phoenix? I think it was that series. <laughs> where the, the last two minutes of the game in real time ended up taking, I think, 36 minutes so, yeah, because yeah, of all the stoppages true. and reviews. Yeah. So after something like that, I could see why they would want to take a vote on something like this. But in terms of, like, the accuracy and trying to determine who the rightful winner is, I don't know. I feel like 
if there are that many plays that need to be reviewed, I think it's it's important to determine who the winner of the game would be. Like something like that can end up costing someone a really big game in the playoffs. Yep. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, yeah, obviously I understand the rationale behind it, but I mean, exactly. Like you're right. Like, especially considering like Aaron and like Steve, I mean, we've all like seen it, like, you know, the last minute reports of like missed calls and stuff, like it pisses us off. Cause it's like, okay, like, why does that matter now? Like, you know what I mean? We see it the next day. The, like, the game's already decided. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, all right, bro, we've been saying it since the game ended. Now it's like the next day of like, a post game report, like, bro, like, yeah, it, it, like it, cool, but I mean, you know what I mean. I think as a fan, like obviously, yeah, it is annoying to see like a thirty-six minute like extension of the game. But I mean, I guess like bro, in order to like obviously some games like a middle season game or like a beginning of season game where like yeah, fine, whatever, like no one cares. But like especially a game where like it de- it like decides like someone's like you know like seed clinching game or like something like that. Like it can go a long way for sure. Um, but that's just how I feel. Aaron, how do you feel about it? Uh, I agree with you too. Like, like there's been so many times where they've just messed up calls, and sometimes like obvious calls, and like if that's gonna be the case, which it still will be the case, because it's just like inevitable that they'll mess up calls, and this not reviewing it. Like now, like it's one thing because the coaches' challenges are like obviously gonna be way way more valuable if this is the case. So, you know, like. Like, it's not worth calling a challenge with, like, you know, I think Frank Vogel called a challenge, like, on the second possession last year on game. Yeah. I don't know why, but, like, <laughs> he, like coaches like that, like, now you got to think about it. But, honestly, like, looking at the bigger picture, the, the rest are just going to mess up calls. So, it's inevitable. And I feel like the last two minutes of the, of the game are, like, obviously going to be the most important at some point so if you're not like stopping to check you know like a a important call like i don't see why like the stoppage isn't that bad like honestly i to me like honestly i don't really mind the stoppages because you know i don't know it's go anywhere but like i guess like i don't know why there's so many people like annoyed over the long stoppages maybe like if it's in the middle of a game but like the end of the game obviously it's going to be more intense so Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just don't see why, like, the they would just take it away. The thing that's annoying with the stoppages is that, especially for the national TV games that are playing on, like, when they have the, like, TNT or ESPN doubleheaders, the stoppages at the end of that game will either uh, prevent the other game from starting or it'll, it won't allow that game to start playing on that yeah. network. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, uh, something, yeah that's, one thing I, that's one thing that's annoying, yeah, because it's – yeah, it's just – I just don't – like, it's like, bro, I like I, I could care less about the outcome of this game sometimes. It's like I just want to watch my team. But, yeah. like, they take forever. But, I, I mean, it's understandable, though, like, because some calls are just that important. But, like, if they take this away, then they'll probably mess up some key moments of the season. So, see how it works out. And uh, not to go off on a tangent, but I just wanted to ask you guys' opinion real quick. Like, I guess just kind of expand on the uh... – um, coaches challenge in general like Aaron said like there was that instance where Frank Vogel called like a, a timeout coaches challenge like what like the, yeah the second play of the game I think that was in the playoffs was it not or am I tripping were we together for that I think no he did that in like the regular season oh never mind I'm tripping okay never mind but I mean yeah yeah but I mean regardless though I think like you know the, when the coaches challenge was introduced um, I think I, along with a lot of people, thought, like, it should be at least, like, one per half. Um, or, yeah. like, or if, like, you get your coach's challenge right, you get a second one or something. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, like, I always thought, like, okay, I like the idea of the coach's challenge. But, like, I feel like as it is right now, uh, like, the fact that you only get, like, one and then you're done, like, regardless. Like, if you're wrong, like, yeah, you should be penalized for it and, like, you get cost of timeout. But, like, if you're right, I feel like you should probably get, like, a second one. Or, like, I'm just saying in general, you should probably just get one per half, I think. This is how I feel. I feel, but... like, I feel like if this rule goes into effect, then they should get one per half probably. 
because mm-hmm. yeah. everybody, every coach is going to want to save that challenge for the last two minutes if you can't review plays anymore in the last few, or at least these kind of plays. Because out of bounds plays like are like the most commonly reviewed plays in the last two minutes. So I yeah. feel like coaches are going to want to save their challenges for the last two minutes every game, just just in case if that's the case. So right. exactly. no one's going to be using them. Like if there's a bad call in like the first half that happens, nobody's going to use their challenges. They're going to want to save it for later. Mm-hmm. So if I feel like especially if this rule were to go were to be voted in, then they should get one per half probably. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think I I don't mind only being one for the whole game, especially since like everything gets reviewed in the last two minutes. Right. No, and and I understand that, but like. My rational, but like the rational behind my thinking is like I feel like especially in like the first half, so when there's like like one of your key players in like foul trouble and he gets like his third with like eight minutes to go in the second or something like that, like I feel like as a coach that would piss me off, especially if it's like you check the you know the replay on the jumbotron and like you're like ah oh, that's that's stupid, you know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily have to use it if you don't use it by the halftime, you, can, you know obviously it just disappears, but. Um, like, yeah, I just feel like, I don't know, sometimes, like, there's definitely been instances where I could be like, yeah, honestly, like, like I feel like at, like, certain parts of the first half, in order to, like, protect your, you know, your, one of your key guys, you could just be like, yo, that was cap. Like, you know what I mean? But I don't know. Um, just curious, though. Like, like not, not, not to get Aaron excited or anything, but uh, I kind of like the way the NFL handles their timeouts. <laughs> like, they give them they gave them some for the first half, and then they – if you use them in the first half, you get them back for the second half. Like, most of the time – uh, coaches in the NFL don't even really use their their timeouts like that in the first half anyway. Mm-hmm. But if they need it, they have it. Right. But I feel uh, like it's just like with the challenges, it's like because it's in like the baby stage, like sort of say in the NBA, then they're doing this, see if it's different. So I feel like in like the years to come, it might change if that's like probably. Yeah. yeah. And uh, before we move on, can we just acknowledge how far the NBA has come in terms of, like, rules and stuff? It's kind of crazy to think about. Like, you didn't even think that it was, like, a whole, like, you know what I mean? All these additions and stuff that recently is happening, but, like, it's cool, man. It's so funny because yesterday I realized that I was watching the – it was on YouTube. It was, like, game three of, like, the 2010 NBA Finals. And there was one one time where, like – like, it was in the middle of the, the Lakers' possession. We got, like, a few offensive rebounds. And I was looking at the scoreboard, and every time we got an offensive rebound, the shot clock went back to 24 seconds <laughs> instead of, like, 14. Yeah. So, you could do that, and, like, you could literally, like, hold on to the ball forever. Yeah. That is true, man. I, I think that that is true. I feel like that 14-second thing was, was a huge thing. I, I feel like that was really good. Uh, rule change. I like that. Um, because you're right. Like that, just 24 second reset is hilarious. Like, remember when we were playing? Like, like we played blacktop. Uh, and then like it's what's well, like a 40 second, um, 40 second shot clock, right, or something like that. Like mad long shot clock. And every time you get like an offensive rebound or you get the ball back, like you know what I mean? Like we're just holding the ball for like 80 seconds or something. Like you know what I mean? Like that's hilarious. That is true. Like I, it's, it was like that until the the until the rule changed. So I mean. But yeah, just in general, like I'm, I guess I'm proud of the NBA for being, you know, bold and just going out and trying to like experiment with new things. Um, and hopefully, even, never even if it doesn't, huh? What was I was gonna say, even if it doesn't end up getting voted in, like I like how uh, they at least consider these options, and then I like what they've been doing with the G League too, where they like experiment with some rules in the G League before they end up uh, putting it in the NBA. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> last last season in the G League, they were experimenting with a rule where. Uh, I don't think they're going to end up doing it, but uh, when you get fouled on a shooting foul, you shoot one free throw and it counts for the amount of points that the uh, the foul was. It's like stupid. So if you get fouled, like going for a layup, then you take one free throw. And if you make it, it'll be worth two points. If you miss it, you get none. And if you get fouled from three, you take one free throw. And if you make it, you get three. That's if you crazy. miss it, you get none. That's crazy, though. Imagine like Harden or something like spending that. Like, right? <laughs> you know, so much. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't yeah. think that's gonna catch on either. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know, whatever. But um, so yeah, that's uh that's all it is for the news. You know, we just wanted to briefly go over the news just because you know it's like some interesting developments, but nothing too crazy. Uh obviously that Ben Simmons thing is still in there, still gotta see where that goes. Um, but yeah, as of right now, that's just the news. Uh, but we just kind of wanted to move on to like kind of the Kind of like the interesting talk of the of the week. Um, 
which is we're gonna talk about you know some con- conspiracy theories and controversies that has uh went on in the past uh we're gonna plan to do this as like a two-part thing um so we're gonna talk about some today and then hopefully get another episode out next week uh with like with the rest of them um and shout out to uh this youtuber that steve found named wendy goon <laughs> Uh, he did like a bunch of like iceberg conspiracy theories thingy, whatever. But I mean, I was kind of going off of that because we were trying to like brainstorm what's what stuff to do for like you know for the, for the viewers and like honestly like controversies and stuff is pretty cool to talk about. So um, yeah, we're just gonna talk about some you know some weird quirky little stuff uh, that went on. So um, all right, uh, first theory: Adam Silver is a lizard person. Now that I I can't see because I'm not gonna lie to you, like I love Adam Silver, but like as his face is like built, dude, it's like. Like it, it, something is something is gone. I'm like no offense. I'm not. I'm not trying to say he's ugly or whatever. I'm just saying like, but something is. I don't know, dude. I don't know. But she uh, naturally bald too. Like, yeah, that I mean, supposed to mean? <laughs> no, I'm just like. <laughs> no, but I can't. No, no but like, right like, there, I, I can't. I can't imagine with hair. Like, imagine him with like. I don't know. Like, is he even that old? Like, I don't think so. Hey Google, what is he? I don't. Know, I don't know. How old is Adam Silver? 59 years old. Oh, wow. He's 59. He doesn't look that old, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Adam Silver could very, very well be a lizard person. But uh, now that we've said this, you you might find the four shoes is dead tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Adam Silver killed us. But, uh, He's, like, hiding our vents, air vents. Yeah. <laughs> Men in black are waiting to take us away right now. Yeah, exactly. Adam Silver's working. Dude, have you ever seen Adam Silver wear a suit that was not black? I don't know. I can't think of a time. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't think it's coincidence. I, I don't know. However, anyway, so let's get us started with um, with the number one pick controversy. So, uh, in like a general sense, a lot of teams, a lot of small market teams who have lost their, you know, bigger guys and their money-making guys, um, have, I guess, quote unquote, coincidentally got like a number one pick the year after to kind of, you know, make up some of that. And it's, I guess, like a sort of like a, uh, like a sympathetic gesture from the NBA is, you know, the, it's, it's, it's like, that's kind of like what, you know, what everyone says. So, I mean, uh, Cleveland, I guess I'll start it off with my team. Uh, in 2003, they got, you know, they, they magically ended up with the hometown kid, uh, LeBron James. Um, and then to kind of piggyback off of that, you know, after LeBron left from Miami in 2010, um, 2011, they got the number one pick and they got Kyrie, um, you know, to kind of make up for that that void left by LeBron. And it's like Kyrie was like one of the, you know, the bigger prospects. He was one of the most exciting players to watch with the handles and all of that. So they kind of gave him like, you know, you know, the, the, the controversy is the, the league giving the number one pick to kind of make up for LeBron. Um, and then with like a similar sense, uh, Derek Rose, Again, it was like that hometown, like local hometown hero kid, whatever, ended up, you know, with, you know, his hometown basketball team um, after like a bunch of years in Chicago where they were just kind of like wallowing in mediocrity and just overall just lottery, just, you know, they were just not very that good. And then all of a sudden in 2008, I believe, was the draft. They got Derrick Rose. Um, and then continuing with that trend, uh, New Orleans got number one, uh, the number one pick in 2012. Uh because obviously the biggest guy of that draft was Anthony Davis. And um, that was when the NBA owned the team. And obviously they wanted to, you know, they wanted to generate some interest in the team so that it would be easier to sell. So, I mean, coincidentally. That was, that was right after Chris Paul left too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, I mean, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, they get the number one pick and they get Anthony Davis and they get, you know, the next big prospect. And then again, similar to the LeBron thing, where fast forward a couple of years when he leaves, um, bam! What do you know? They get the number one pick in the lottery. And I remember, I remember this vividly because you know it was Cleveland, uh, New York, and uh, I forgot who the third team was. Uh, was it? I forgot who it was, but they were supposed to obviously get the top three odds. And then New Orleans was like something projected to go in like tenth or eleventh or something or something like that. Or set, I don't know. Like, yeah, they jumped up a lot. Yeah, they jumped – they hit the entire lottery and they got the number one pick and they got Zion Williamson. So, um, obviously, it's a little bit of a weird trend. I'm not saying – I'm not calling, you know, like that math is weird. I mean, I know math is weird. I'm not saying that, like, oh, like this is definitely, like, fixed or something. But 
obviously there's a little bit of a trend going on. It's not really that hard to tell. Uh, not that seen, not that hard to ignore, but I've seen some people like say that I don't know exactly how it works or how like the whole lottery process works, but uh, I saw some people saying like that a theory they had was that for some of these top picks, they like freeze the envelopes so that way it doesn't come out to last. Mm-hmm. And I saw somebody on Reddit say that they tried it and it didn't work. So I don't I don't know. Yeah. Don't know work. Yeah. For East envelopes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, freeze, speaking of the frozen envelope, the, the biggest one that I want to talk about with this whole number one pick controversy um, was when Patrick Ewing went to the Knicks. Um, so apparently before this, the NBA was in like a really weird state in terms of like, apparently I think there was a lot of like drug use and there's like a lot of like cocaine abuse because this was the eighties. Um, so obviously, um, Aaron, as you and I know, you know, that's Pablo Escobar and, you know, all the, the kilos of, of snow coming in through Miami and obviously in a big market like New York, you know, they're all just like clubbing and partying and stuff. So I mean, overall, you're, you're talking about a league full of, like, millionaires, you know what I mean? And obviously drug use is going to be, you know, like a thing where, you know, it's not going to be, you know, something that's, like, on the low key or whatever. Like, I think, what, wasn't it Jordan that was saying that his vets were, like, smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol, like, on the off days at a halftime and stuff? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, so apparently. Dude, like, imagine that. Like, <laughs> right? when uh, Marlboro was the sponsor? Yeah, it's not, yeah, that's crazy, bro. Like, even now, I, th- I think, like, isn't, like, Tito's and, like, Hennessy and Johnny Walker, like, don't they, like, sponsor the NBA and stuff? Like, that's kind of weird. Oh, yeah. I don't know why it has, like, some like, alcoholic sponsors, but whatever. Um, and I think it was 1986, like, the year after the Ewing draft was when uh, – I think that was the year Len Bias was drafted. And then, you know, the whole story with him about how he died because of the drug overdose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, yeah. He, before he played his first season. That's crazy, dude. But um, – but, yeah, so apparently the whole drug thing was rampant, and apparently, like, uh, David Stern wanted to get some, you know, actual, um, I guess, like, competition, like, incentive to, like, you know, um, cooperate with the league and, and actually, like, go out and actually play games with, like, you know, your actual full-on talent and not just do drugs. So that's why they instituted the, uh, the draft lottery. Um, because not only did that, again, create an incentive to win, but it also kind of created a buzz amongst, like, the media and the fans. So that kind of, like, this, they started taking that measure to kind of, you know, bring back attention to the league because, again, it was slipping after, you know, all this stuff started coming out. Um, so um, I forgot which draft year this was. I just know it was in the 80s. I think it was, like, 87, 88. What was it? 88? No. The Ewing one? 85? Yeah. I think it was 85. 85, right? Um, yeah, so in the 85 drafts, and the lottery, it's like so now. Obviously, we all know in our and then the lottery now, it's like um, I guess they I don't I think they use ping pong balls or something. I think if I'm not mistaken, they call the envelopes based off that. But um, but back in the '80s when it just started, um, apparently what they did was they threw like an envelope into like this big ass like container or whatever, and then they like rotated it and then like it would just shuffle the the envelopes around. Mm-hmm. And um, so apparently, so the first of all, the the person from the Knicks's um, um, ownership group or not, not from the ownership group, the Nixon's ownership groups, auditing company, um, a man from that auditing company named Jack Warner, um, represented the Knicks at the lottery. And, um, and then there's, there's a video of the entire lottery, how it, you know, how it transpired, but they're saying at the edge of the envelope, there was like, it was like sort of bent to kind of like mark the Nixon's envelope. And, um, like you could kind of see it like when, you know, they're kind of like taking the, the envelopes on putting it into that plastic thingy. And then they were saying that as Warner was putting the envelopes into the, uh, the plastic thing, the way he put in the Knicks envelope, he kind of like bangs it against like, like the side part of the entrance. And like, it, it was pretty loud. You could hear it too. And he like bangs it low key. And then like, they were saying that's like further trying to like mark it off so that, you know, Stern would know which one was which. And um, like Steve was saying earlier, the entire, like the frozen envelope theory was, the fact that apparently it was frozen in like this industrial like freezer overnight to be like really cold. And then like Stern would kind of tell the difference between like room temperature envelope and like the colder quote unquote envelope um, that, you know, the Knicks had. And again, it is, it is kind of weird. Cause it's like, I mean, I think what well, the lottery would be like afternoon, evening, and they're like, you know, freezing the entire night. I feel like it would, you know, warm up a little bit. So like, 
that's kind of hard. I think I feel I would feel like, but I mean, regardless of that, that folded part you could kind of see in the way he banged it was kind of true. And overall, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like an actual like thing where they just gave you know Ewing to the Knicks because again, it's New York is the biggest market, and you want to like drum up some viewership back to the league. So I mean, I I don't think this is much of a controversy. I feel like you know it is what it is. It's just like I guess the way they went about it was kind of like kind of you guys could have done better to hide it, I guess. But yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah. At least with the, I don't, I don't know about all of those being true. But the Ewing, at least with the Ewing one, like people have like at least present like evidence behind it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about, especially like the, with the first year of them implementing it. You would maybe think that they had like some kind of plan. Right. Exactly. Because right. They, because if they're making that whole system with the uh, the lottery odds and everything, you would think that they want to show with that first season that, like, anything's possible. Like, yeah. not the worst team is going to automatically get it. Mm. Right, exactly. So, I don't know. Um, but, and, yeah, and even from, like, a from, from a financial standpoint, like I said, like, they were trying to save, I guess, the face of the NBA. So, I mean, my, why not bring the, you know, the next biggest, well, I guess, like, the design of the 80s, you know what I mean, to the biggest market in the league. Um, and draw them up some interest because based off of that. Um, but yeah, that's that. Um, and I don't know which one you guys want to take the next. One. I mean, Aaron, maybe if you want to take the next one because you know this is kind of regarding your team, dude. The the Kings and Lakers, dude. Like, it's probably like the biggest. Uh, like, the one that I could think of is like the biggest controversy. Like, not it's definitely it's like top five on top of my head. Because this, like, every time this comes up, it's like the Kings are always salty about this. And obviously, like, I guess, like, if it happened to, like, one of our teams, we'd obviously be salty. But I, like, especially the, the game-closing series, I, I definitely don't, like, see – I, I can kind of see how it was rigged. But then again, it's, like, it's too much going on to, like, actually, like how, – how are you going to, like, rig it, like – yeah, I remember how we said like we were in like eighth grade and we were like, oh, uh, LeBron slipped twenty dollar bill into the referee's pocket in the middle of the game. Oh, seventh That's what grade people are saying. Or seventh grade, whatever. Yeah, but like there were people, there were people saying like, like they did that. They got like, well, first of all, like obviously, like I, I don't know what the exact stats were, but I'm sure she had a lot of free throws in that that game six game. Obviously, he's gonna get like. He's gonna get hacked like almost all the time. It's just like LeBron; like he gets hacked, but he he probably doesn't. He probably won't get like the free throw calls as much. I guess just back then it was different. So I don't think it was. I don't think it was rigged. I'm not saying because it's just the Lakers. Well, obviously I couldn't even watch it because I was two years old. So just looking at the highlights and stuff back then, like the news, I just don't see it as being real. Like, maybe the lottery stuff. The lottery stuff is, like, understandable. But, like, this, like, I just don't understand it, really. I feel like this Lakers-Kings one in 2002 is, like, the most sus out of all of them. Especially because I watched that fourth quarter on YouTube, and it's crazy the calls that were being made. Like, out of the 40 free throws that the Lakers got in that game, especially them being down 3-2 in the series – 20, they had like 27 free throws in the fourth quarter and like almost all the Kings big men fouled out. Yeah. So there was nothing that they could do to Shaq. Yeah. And uh, the biggest thing is uh, one of the officials who called that game was Tim Donahue, Tim Donahue, whatever his name was. Donahue, yeah. And he was, he, he was one of like the main refs involved in the whole uh, controversy that was proven to be true about the, the refs fixing some of their own games that they were calling. Yeah. There was that whole thing. Uh, that he, I they, like, and stuff, yeah. Did they bet on games or something like that? Yeah, that's they, what they, they were bet doing. on games. They, yep. they were betting on. They were betting on the games that they were calling. Yep. So they were like trying to fix them in their favor to make money off of it. That's crazy. And Tim Donahue, Tim Donahue ended up writing a book later on, and I think he mentioned some things about that uh, that series in there. Yeah. Right. And I, I forgot to include it in the notes, but um, yeah, they they had forty free throws the entire game. And I think the Lakers were up, up to that point, they were averaging like somewhere in the 20s or something less than that or something like that. But the fact they got 27 alone in the fourth, like Steve said, like 
That's great. I mean, Aaron, uh, I'm not saying it's a Mickey Mouse ring, but, uh, you know, that is kind of an interesting uh, thing, especially considering I think the, the Kings were, you know, thought of, they were the better team, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But the whole controversy behind that is, you know, it's Los Angeles and, and the league wanted Los Angeles in the finals. So, you know, they kind of just, you know, told the referee association to be like, yeah, it was good. Um, but another yeah. one similar to that one. Uh, I don't think it was on our list, but I, I was reading about it yesterday. The 84 finals between the Lakers and Celtics. Uh, like you were saying earlier with the uh, the 85 with them implementing the draft lottery to bring in more revenue. Uh, around that time, the NBA like wasn't making as much money as they were before. And that year in the finals, they had Lakers-Celtics, which is like their marquee matchup, Bird versus Magic, the whole rivalry. And uh, when the Celtics went up 3-2, uh, there was – it was said that uh, – well, actually, it's proven that uh, Stern was talking to a fan, and he was saying that uh, the NBA needs to go to a seven-game series because uh, we need to make some money off of this type of matchup that we have in the finals here. And when the Celtics went up 3-2, uh, Larry Bird was accusing uh, Stern of uh, rigging or, or of him telling the officials to rig the game in the Lakers' favor because he, they need the, the series to go to seven to make more money. And mm-hmm. in, that, in that game six – uh, a lot of the Celtics players were getting called for like bad fouls in the fourth quarter, similar to how the Kings situation was in 2002. What a Mickey Mouse franchise, bro. Yeah, Aaron, yeah. I don't know if uh, you know you should be a Lakers fan anymore because they're a team full of frauds <laughs> and fake championships, but <laughs> I don't think you want to hear that. I'm pretty sure people say Magic John Fraud. I'm pretty sure people say that about the the 01 Sixers Bucks series too, when the Sixers won, because the Bucks, I think the Bucks are up three two in that series. Yeah. And uh since I since that year the Sixers were like pretty much the underdog, well not well not they weren't really an underdog. I think they were the number one seed in the East, but like they were like the the favorite. Like with Iverson kind of popping off, winning MVP. Pretty sure Matumbo was defensive player of the year that year. But I know Aaron McKee was six man, so we had like all these awards that year. Yeah, and uh, everybody wanted to see Iverson versus Kobe in the finals. Well, Kobe and Shaq, of course, and. Uh, People were saying that they thought that that series had some stuff going down too, especially since the Bucks were like pretty unknown at the time. Like their best player was Ray Allen. He was like this young guy who was kind of just getting his name out there that season. Yeah, when he could dunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I mean, low key tangent. Like Ray Allen, bro. Like the fact that, like, he was some sort of, like, crazy Westbrook and then he's, like, a pure three-point shooter later, like, that's, like, the weirdest career trajectory ever, but that's kind of, like, how he lit. Like, imagine doing that, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just dunking on everybody. Vince Carter, low-key, too. Huh? I said low-key Vince Carter, too. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 exactly. Like, like people see If you just want to stay in the league for that long, like, obviously you can't be dunking forever, so, like, the next best thing is shooting. The pure three-point shooter, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but, like Vince um, Carter is known to be one of the, like the greatest dunkers of all time. But then he's also like I think top ten in all time three pointers made. And yeah. then like recently Zach Levine too, like he won two back to back dunk contests and he's like the best dunker in the league. And then he like tied the record for most threes in a game a couple years yeah. ago. Right, it's crazy, man. It's like yo, it's because those guys don't want to be known as like just dunkers or like yeah. they have more. Like that's what it was. But it shows you how, like, first of all, how talented they are and, like, just the amount of, like, elite coaches that, like, you need to surround yourself that, like, you make that transition and you, like, start being so sturdy as a shooter and shit. That is crazy. Um, but I guess, yeah, the next thing. Christy, Steve, can you explain Can, can uh, you explain this Ilyasova thing to me? <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about the fake players thing in general. or but, you know, I mean, I guess I can explain the Ersan Ilyasova part. So, um. So, Ersan Ilyasova is not Ersan Ilyasova, apparently. Um, apparently, he's actually Arsen Ilyasov, and um, he's from Uzbekistan. Shout out the boy. Um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Begzotic. <laughs> Begzotic. And uh, apparently, uh, Ilyasov, or Ilyasov um, and his father, and I think the rest of his family, they migrated from Uzbekistan to Turkey when he was like two years old or something like that. And then suddenly, like, they just dis- they disappear off the record and off the map for, like, a few years until um, all of a sudden um, this dude named Ersan Ilyasova uh, is on the FIBA national team for Turkey, and he's given, like, uh, the Turkish citizenship and stuff. And it was, like, a whole thing. And apparently, like, uh, 
I think he's supposed to be like much older than, you know, obviously what he's reported to be. And I mean, uh, it was funny too, because I always thought his name kind of sounded like Eastern European and not really, um, you know, Turkish. Um, but then again, Shane Larkin doesn't really sound Turkish either. But I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, I was kind of shocked when I heard about this too, because I didn't, I never heard about this before. So apparently he's just like some random Uzbekistani guy. And um, yeah, he's just not even Ersan Lyasova. It's like he's some older, like Eastern European dude. Um, yeah, yeah I, I can see that to be honest. Like, I, I never really thought about it like that. Like, Ilyasova does kind of sound like more Eastern. Right. Yeah. Like, Ilyasova. Like, like it tries saying that with, like a Russian accent. Like, my name is Ilyasova or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it. Like, it's like just like kind of comparing like Furkan Korkmaz. You could tell he's like Turkish, but Ilyasova yeah. doesn't really sound Turkish. Like, exactly right. Like, like, like Enos Cantor, mm-hmm. Furkan Korkmaz. Like, that's yeah. CP Osmat, like, but yeah. Um, but I mean, but yeah, I never yeah. even knew that, right? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I didn't hear about it until I started doing research for this for this episode. I was like, okay, that's very interesting. And I think that's like the only like low key quote unquote proven controversy. Um, like another one was like Thon Maker. Um, apparently. He was believed to be like 23, 24 at the time when he declared for the draft and not 19, like everyone said he was, um, or not like he said he was, because um, apparently there's this whole thing came out where I think someone found a yearbook from, I think like a high school graduation class in like 2013 or something like that. And then like, you know what I mean? And it like, it sets his age up like a couple of years ahead. And, yeah. and then he like, he denied the, all the allegations. He said, no, I'm actually 19, blah, blah, blah. But that's like a whole thing up in the air. Um, other one was Manute Ball. Um, he was thought to be 50 years old when he was in the league. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, if he was 50 years old, then I mean, he was moving really well for a 50 year old. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> imagine for I don't imagine know. at 30. I don't know if I believe the Manute one because at least like looking at Bowl Ball right now, like he's 20, 21, but he looks a lot older than he is too. Yeah, right. And, and, and that's, that's a good point. Thing. So I feel like everyone's being raced towards like African people, <laughs> like you know what I mean? like thought maker Sudanese. I think Bobo and Manu Bol, they're like they're Sudanese as, as well. And I, I think I think a bunch of like African players. I think in general, like I think there was a bit like with, with Hashim to beat and all that. I think in general, like, people just don't believe in them for some reason. But they're just being racist, in my opinion. But you know, I know thought maker Sudanese, but uh, didn't before he came to the league, didn't he play like in Canada or something like that? Yeah, yeah, he went from South Sudan to Australia and then to Canada. So he's South Sudanese, Australian, Canadian. <laughs> it's a very uh, interesting uh, uh, nation. I don't know nationality. I don't know, but well, I don't know. But and then the real quick for the last, like you know, fake player, fake ages thing. Uh, it's a joke that me and Aaron have. Actually, not even me and Aaron and Steve. It's everyone who just sees him in general, like Kyrie Walker. Uh, it's funny because, like, first of all, the, the funniest thing about that dude is the fact that, like, he's been on, like, Ball's Life mixtapes for the last, like, 20 years, even <laughs> though he's, like, the same age as us. And I don't understand that. He's like, definitely he's been, got, like, some kind of endorsement deal with them. Yeah, right. It's something like that. But I swear he's been, like a, like, a junior in high school for the last, like, 10 years. And, like, he's always been getting, like, hype as, like, oh, the next big thing or whatever. And then he didn't even go drafted this year. And he got, like, a training camp deal with the Hornets or something. And then with he's not even – with the Wizards, yeah. And he didn't even, you know, get a training camp. Wait, like, what the hell? What? Bro, he his birthday is November 20th, 2000. So he's the same age as Aaron, exactly. The same exact age. Uh, uh, Aaron, are you Kyrie Walker, bro? <laughs> That's so funny. Maybe maybe I'm 40 instead of 20. Oh, uh, probably. Who I mean, think I don't know, like... No, like he just looks like an old dude. I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, if you listen to this, what's up, Kyrie? Uh, please shout us out on your story. But, dude, you're definitely not like you're not the same age as us. I, I I doubt it. Like, you've been on again. You've been on balls life mixtapes since like 2009 or something. So, I don't know, dude. You're lying. Um, who do you think wins? Who do you think wins a one v one, Kyrie Walker or Julian Newman? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. So, probably Kyrie. Damn, Aaron, no. I, no. Julian just uh, does too much. It's no a trick question. The answer or is no, geo-wise. No. I was kidding. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude. 
No, Aaron, no, no. It's like it's like they played uh, 2K Park when they were younger, and they're like, that's how I want to play when I get older. <laughs> uh... Gio, why is his haircut, too? looks like something out of, like, an anime. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, all yeah, Aaron, that's your app, bro. Colors. That's your app. That's TikTok. That's your, that's your people. That's your kind. But um, yeah, I've anyway. never seen him on that app. I've always seen him on Instagram. I would love to see, like, I would love to see him play in, like, an actual, like, game against, like, real players. <laughs> right. Like, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You get a shit, like, set. Even, like, a D2 imagine, game or something. Like, you know what I mean? I imagine he's like, got, like, imagine he's got, like, Drew Holiday guarding him, and then, like, he's doing all that shit. Dude, he's not getting past the first tween. I'm telling you that much. He's getting ripped <laughs> on the first one. But, um, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, this, this overall, there's an overall thing with, like, you know, the whole, like, fake ages and fake players, like, I think just over like again, a lot of like Jamaican and African players have been in like the limelight, and some a lot of Asian Chinese players too have been like oh they, people are saying like oh they're like thirty or forty, but like you know their their claimed age is like 25, 24 or whatever. Like it's been going on. I feel like people just being racist towards like African people and Asian people, but whatever you know. Nate, I mean Nate Kushner's down here to like, you know kind of back that up, but um, <laughs> we appreciate <laughs> the support, Nate. Huh. I said we appreciate the support, Nate. That was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate Cousins, thanks so much for listening. Um, but um, yeah, moving on to the next one. Uh, there's always been like a thing with unfaithful teammates. Um, so I guess the first one, which is not even a controversy, it actually did happen. Uh, Tony Parker slept with Brent Barry's wife. Um, apparently, like when uh, I think Brent Barry got traded there. Uh, like him, Tony Parker, Tony Parker's wife and his wife, they were all like, this huge, like just like a big like friend group or whatever. And they always like hang out. And apparently one day or not one day, like, like eventually like, like, you know, sexual tension started to arise between Tony Parker and Brent Berry's wife. And they started sexting and they, uh, you know, they eventually, you know, started, you know, seeing each other and stuff. And then it blew up, you know, it got out and Tony Parker apparently almost got traded um due to this you know i think i i think greg Popovich was like really mad at him and i think uh brent barry had a lot of power within the organization because like everyone liked him and stuff and then you know he was about to be on his way out but um i forgot what stopped them i think they were just like oh tony's kind of important to the championship core so like i feel like i think like one part of the organization kind of just like you know begged the other side to be like yo like let's calm down like gotta win championship at the end of the day like it's weird. I don't know. Like Tony Parker, like I don't think he's that hot. Um, I don't really know how he's managing to like, shit on people, but whatever. Um, my name is Tony Parker. Uh, we oui, we. Oui. But um, and then moving on to the next one, and this is more a little bit of controversy, which will kind of make sense because Roy Hibbert was like once seen as the next big great defensive center. Um, if you guys were watching the NBA around 2012, 2013, 2014. Roll of verticality. Yeah, exactly. Like, see, yeah, exactly. Rural verticality was something that Roy Hibbert, you know, it was it, it was implemented because of him. And um, again, he was supposed to be the next biggest, like, you know, best defensive center guy. And um, but I mean, we all knew how he played out. Like, I think he was all star in twenty fourteen, and all of a sudden after that, he just in that playoffs, he was just absolutely nowhere to be seen. He was just absolutely trash. And um, so the whole rumor is that Paul George. He was a very attractive man as opposed to Tony Parker uh, slept with um, Roy Hibbert's fiance. And apparently Roy found out about that, like around playoff time. And there was a whole internal implosion and Roy's mental state was affected. And there was a whole rift. And that's why, you know, like the Pacers team kind of like, you know, blew up a little bit and Roy Hibbert kind of just fell off of the face of the earth after that. And, um, and then obviously Paul George took to Twitter and he was like, Oh, I never did such a thing. You know, like nothing of the sort happened. I'm, a faithful man, blah blah blah. But we are also talking about the man who cheated on Doc Rivers' daughter. So, you know, I don't know. It That's is so weird too. Yeah, right. Remember, like, and now yeah. Seth Curry married her. And then yeah, and then Seth Curry was put back dunk. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. It, it's weird. Paul George. I don't like. I said he's hot, but I mean, I feel like this is probably what happened because. There's no way Roy just internally. I feel like after you get an All Star, you know, selection, you should be like top of your mental state you'd be like yeah you know what i'm really that guy you know what i mean and you go in the playoffs and I'm like all right bet 
and then bam, you just disappear. Obviously, game planning is a thing against you, but there's no reason for you to completely just, you know, defecate to the bed. You know what I mean? To keep it PG, even though I did say shit right now and before, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Wait, but I don't know. I don't know how much time we have left. I don't know if we end off with this kind of segment. But did you guys remember the Matt Barnes and Derek Fisher one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was hilarious. Matt Barnes drove like, like what ninety Matt, miles to <laughs> to beat his ass. Yeah, he drove. <laughs> yeah, and then to like chase Derek around his uh his house or something. And that was, I think Derek and, Fisher was still the coach the next at that time. Was he? I think so. I forgot he was the coach of the Knicks. That's so weird. Was it? Well, was Matt Barnes so, in LA like, right? No, this was like after. I think that was 2015 or 2014, something like that. Oh, okay, yeah, because I think he was definitely still in the league. Because I know he finished off the Warriors in 17, I think. But um, yeah, yeah that um, was insane. That was also out of like out of pocket too. But like, yeah, that was that was crazy. Because I remember when the the reports came out, they were saying that yeah, like. Matt Barnes literally like, he drove all the way. I forgot who leaked it, but like they're saying like yeah. he got this car, just drove like five hours just to beat uh, Terry Fisher's ass. <laughs> like that yeah, was it was crazy. real too. He said in an interview like afterwards. Yeah. And then and then there's the other one too uh, in Minnesota when uh, they were saying that Jimmy Butler slept with uh, Towns' girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that whole thing. And that so was what caused the whole beef there. Yeah. That is true. And then Jimmy went to practice and played with the third stringers and beat the starters. That's, that's the most alpha, bro. I, I love that, dude. I, <laughs> like, I hate the Wolves so much. Like, and it's like, just like, at least I used to hate him. But, and then, like, just, just hearing about just Jimmy just going out and be like, yeah, like, you know what? Like, y'all, like, really need me and shit. Like, that was, that was great, dude. That was, like, the most, like, oh, yeah, that's, like, big dog type shit. Like, that's, like, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And then, and the biggest conspiracy is the uh, the bubble conspiracy. Jimmy Butler and uh, Rachel Nichols making too much noise. <laughs> yeah, they were saying that he had noise oh, complaints, no. and he was like, "Oh, he's from the uh, basketball." No, was... <laughs> yeah, I was just I was just showing him my room, dribbling this basketball around. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like it's like you just hear like class going on, and like, bro, that's hilarious, dog. Dude, that's hilarious. <laughs> And they were saying that's the reason why Jimmy was so exhausted, like during the games and stuff. Like, <laughs> what? I don't know if I go. That's an that. athlete. No, no, no. He's like, athlete, you know how like... he was like doubled over, like, like you remember the Lakers yeah. game? And then, like, they were saying, it's like, yo, no wonder Jimmy was so uh... tired. He, he just finished like <laughs> clapping some cheeks before the game. Like, <laughs> bro, that's hilarious, dude. That's dude, that's hilarious. Like, bro, if you see the enemies doing the bubble, you can see like. They kind of looked at each other like all like you know what I mean like <laughs> like you know what I mean that's kind of funny that was hilarious but um anyway um and yeah I guess like even though we're closing like towards an hour I guess we're gonna uh you know we're gonna end off on like a really 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 weird and stupid stretch it's very dumb like I was scrolling through Reddit trying to like find some controversies and this is one I just found um the user's name is um masochist forty five. Um, shout out to you, masochist. Yeah, shout out to you, masochist. In the office, <laughs> listen to this. Um, welcome, I guess, to the floor spacers. But this is like, again, this is the stupidest thing I've ever like read. This is like, this is so dumb. But apparently, like, so I guess the San Antonio Spurs were um in LA for a game, I guess, against like Clippers or Lakers. I don't know, but they found out about a local rising kid named Kawhi Leonard. Whoa. And uh, apparently he was getting buzzed in the local high school scene. Um, but uh, he wasn't, like, anything, like, too big. I don't think he broke out into, the, like, you know, the top 100 list. Or, or even if he was, he was in that later, like, portion where no one really cared about him. And apparently, um, you know, they they found they heard about his, like, his measurements and his, like, kind of his, his play style. And apparently they went to visit him and they coached him a little bit here and there. But, like, they, you know, they didn't coach him too much. So, like, he wouldn't be too good. But uh, you know, they coached him just enough to make him so listen, listen, you, you get you get a chance to play with the greatest coach of all time and the greatest power forward of all time, and then when while they're coaching, they say, Listen, we want you to play. 
to the standard so that way you'll be the 15th pick in the draft. We don't want you to be anything better. <laughs> so dumb, like, <laughs> like, How do you separate yourself from number 10 and number 20? <laughs> no, it's like it's like Pop gave him a 20. He's like, all right, I'm gonna spend like two VC points on like a three-point shot. And then like and then like like dude, what is that? No, I'm like I'm gonna throw this part. I, w- I want I want you to get a, a C minus uh, teammate grade so that way your overall goes down just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, make sure make sure every time out you ask coach what your teammate grade is, so then you can go based off of that. He's definitely keeping track. But um, we want you to we want we want you to play to the standards so that uh, George Hill is enough to trade for you to get you via trade. No, 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 but no, but that's the, so that's that's the next part about it. So apparently. Um, you know, they, they taught him to, you know, keep his game under wraps and they didn't coach him too much. And then he went to San Diego state or whatever he went. Um, and then when yeah. it was draft night, uh, apparently some like opposing GM was supposed to take him earlier. So then like, uh, the San Antonio Spurs got scared, dude. And they were like, yo, like, yo, you know what, George Hill, bro, like we love you dog, but like, bro, like this is our like, undercover project. Uh, MK Ultra type beat. So uh, unfortunately, you're on the way out, and uh, uh, yeah, their calculations were wrong. They were he was supposed to fall to them with their pick, but you know, uh, you know, obviously nothing always goes according to plan. So they had to trade George Hill and a pick to get him, and we all know how that played out. But I guess that was a, a slight little oversight on you know on George, not on Greg Popovich's part, but not the you know coaching him to. Uh, a slight extent, so he wouldn't be too good. Um, and then Tim Duncan took a pay cut, so that way they could buy VC to upgrade the rest of the stats. Like oh, the yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. And the rest is history, I guess. You know, they just did the uh, the the drills at the San Antonio's coaching facility, and um, they have like it's like it's in, it's like it's like in my career took a took a twenty where Bill Russell came to the Cavs practice for some reason. And uh, we got extra points because of that. Like, why is Bill Russell coming to the Cavs practice? Why does he care about the Cavs? Like, why is he here? Like, <laughs> it's like it's like uh, when they were coaching Kawhi, it was like kind of like the same mentorship that uh, Dion Waiters gave you in Two K Fifteen Story. <laughs> Who have thought <laughs> with his with his mouth closed when he was talking? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but. I mean, I don't know. That was just some, like, you know, it's just some stupid, wacky little, you know, controversies and stuff that happened in the past, especially that stupid Kawhi thing. I don't – that's, like, the furthest yeah. thing in reality. I don't know how anyone would think about that. Um, we but, have some more that we could go over, but we'll save them for a future episode. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it does Loki get bitter. Bitter. Uh, better. Um, like, you know, the – I don't know, like – we got uh, some like weird transactions that have happened. Yeah, like just weird trades and contract stuff, and and uh, just some wacky stuff. I guess we just covered like the controversies for today, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know. It's some stupid stuff, I guess. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like I don't know. Like Ursan Silva. Like I don't know. Do some dumb stuff that happened in the past. I don't know. Um, Aaron, Arson, maybe in the back of the episode, you can talk about the NFL Arson. controversies. Arson, yeah, Arson yeah. Did he commit arson? <laughs> anyway, but uh, this yeah. week, this week we're gonna have a double header. Uh, this weekend we're planning on recording another episode and talking about the uh, how we think the East is gonna play out this year with a very special guest. Uh, you guys want to love him? Uh, he's one of the greatest minds in basketball that I know. Uh, Croak, I'm Croak. <laughs> Uh, coach, coach Greg Popovich is going to be on the show. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but the guest will be a talk about his experience with Kawhi in high school. Yeah, talk, yeah, exactly. Talk about how he kind of you know kept it under wraps like a CIA covert operation. But um, but I mean, yeah, the guest will be revealed to you at when the you know podcast episode does come out. Uh, he does know what he's talking about, and I uh, can't wait for wait to have him on the show. Uh, spoiler alert. I mean, not a spoiler alert. It's more of a hint. I was on a podcast with them before, and uh, <laughs> it was a great podcast. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's it for this week, I guess. We just want to go over, you know, some news and, you know, like a fun little controversies episode. I uh, hope you guys had fun. Uh, like I said, like Steve said, we're going to have a doubleheader uh, with the predictions one this weekend, hopefully, and then part two of the, you know, wacky stuff next week. 
And hopefully we'll have more trades and maybe some, you know, Ben Simmons updates or whatever, like a John Wall thing maybe. Um, but uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you made it this far, uh, we appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much for, you know, continuing your support for the Floor Spacers. Um, again, we are trying to grow and expand as a podcast. And, uh, again, thank you guys for, again, continued support. And if you're on Spotify after music, please do like and subscribe and leave us a five-star review just so, you know, it kind of – would start growing and kind of like would we would start being recommended to other people and you know eventually start you know being the forefront of the basketball world but uh trust the process i guess but uh right ttp but um yeah guys thank you so much again stay tuned for uh the following episodes and uh once again i am christy i'm signing out um aaron and steve you guys may say your goodbyes as well see you guys this weekend Thank you for listening. Stay tuned.